welcome to the Mind Your Leadership podcast. I'm Karen Silk. In this podcast, I will have conversations with thought leaders, CEOs, and managers from various organizations about leading mindfully. We will learn from experienced leaders how they implement mindful leadership in the day-to-day organizational culture, and we will gain tools and skills. So stay with us. Hello. Today, I will speak with Gali Biloch-Liran. Gali is the founder and CEO of the Human Founder Leadership and Performance Executive Coaching Firm for entrepreneurs, startups, and VCs, where she focuses on developing the fundamental mindsets and practices which builds sustainable and resilient entrepreneurs and startups companies. Gali has over 15 years of professional experience in law, strategy, business psychology, business development, management, and marketing in multinational companies and startups, both in Israel and abroad. She is also the host and producer of the Human Founder podcast, discussing the mental aspects of the entrepreneurial journey, where she hosts leading the tech CEOs and investors for behind-the-scenes conversations. Gali is an entrepreneurship lecturer at Reichman University, Edison School of Entrepreneurship. Today we will speak about the main challenges of entrepreneurs and leaders in scaling and growing the businesses and which mindset they need to adopt in order to succeed and increase their resilience. So stay with us. So Gali, I'm happy that you're with us today. Looking forward to hearing your wisdom. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here with you. You know, I'd be happy to hear about your experience. We're talking about mindfulness, about leadership, about bringing to the day-to-day. So from your experience, what is your role model from a leader that had an impact on you during your career? So it's a great question, and I think I'll divide it into two. One is really a role model, someone I don't have a direct connection to, but I really take her, it's a woman, uh, inspiration and a way of uh, behavior, the, the, the things that she does. And also uh, about something more specific about the managers that I have. So I have here this, uh, you know, small book. <laughs> and they won't see it in there because it's only audio. It's not video of Michelle Obama. And I'll, I'll tell a short story. Like three years ago, I was in Amsterdam uh, just before COVID. Uh, to my birthday and we walked and I really loved, like those uh, design shops. And I went into one of the design shops in uh, Amsterdam and they had amazing things. And then I saw those small books of, you know, famous leaders. And I just took this book into my hand. It was Michelle Obama. And it's like a, a special quotes of her during her career. And I just read it. And it's like, I was such a beautiful closure to so many things that I thought about her that she represent uh, to me in her life. Her wisdom, you know, the way that she, uh, uh, she was educated and she was a leader by herself even before uh, being the first lady and the career that she had and still has. The mother that she is, that she has uh, two daughters and she puts a lot of energy in the education and uh, the breakthrough that she had, the stages that she took, you know, she always took stages and she also always conveyed her messages and made other, there's other women, you know, to come to the front. And of course, she was so beautiful. She is beautiful. And the, the fashion that she likes and the way that she encourages other women to take stages and to be at the front and not to be afraid and to have, uh, you know, the 
the guts to do things. And, you know, also as the first Afro-American first lady. So in all the things that she's doing, and mainly I think that her symbol is like the smile, the big smile that she always have when she speaks. So every time that I look at her and I listen to her, I really feel that the way that she uh, acts, the way that she lead professionally, personally, and also on the, you know, national uh, and worldwide uh, level is really inspiring. And it's something that I take to myself as a woman, as a mother, as a leader, as a coach, as a someone who work with many other CEOs and try to bring them uh, those things that I take from her, like to be some kind of a channel to give them those, uh, you know, uh, wisdoms and, and, and think. And, and I really relate to many things that she says about how as women, we can do everything we want and uh, there's nothing we cannot accomplish. And I really like her as a role model. So this is one leader. And another example, I had many managers during my life, professional lives, because I used to switch uh, careers every two years approximately until the last uh, like six years when I opened my own business. And I had an amazing um, manager, Ifat, and another amazing manager, Chen, and another amazing manager, Moshe. The three of them, they were different, but what was similar to them, that they were all very, very hard worker with very high expectations, very direct, very, very smart, and they never made it easy on me. They always tried to make me better. They always gave me feedback. They always tried. They saw the potential and they never made it easy on me. You know, they tried also always to, to take me as high as I can, but together with it, also with empathy and also with like uh, listening to what I want. And it was really impactful for me during my career. And I always say that I think that one of the things that shaped my professional personality and also um, brought a lot of value to my life is the fact that I used to work with very demanding managers and leaders, very successful ones. But I really felt how the connection between us is they give me and I give them back. And we succeed to find this fine tune, you know, this, this right accord that uh, we learn how to lean on each other. And that was very impactful for me. And I remember a lot of uh, small conversations or very specific sentences that they gave me during our various uh, experiences together in very late at night or in New York in different situations that up till now I use it to myself and I use it also when I coach other uh, managers. It really uh, became part of me and part of my leadership and I'm thankful for them for that. It's amazing. And I think you're really privileged to have so many people, managers who touched you and uh, had an impact on your life. And, you know, when you spoke, as you know, I just came back from the retreat when you talked about compassion, compassion leadership. And we said, okay, compassion is seeing the other people, the struggle, being empathic with them, but also helping them in this place. And I think this is what I hear from what you're telling me that you're speaking that they were really compassionate toward you because they really helped you grow. They saw your potential and where you can grow and they really helped you there because, you know, at the end of the day, compassion is not only lovey-dovey, it's also helping people to grow in their struggle. And that's amazing because from what I'm hearing from you, they also were really demanding, but they also really saw you. So it goes together, right? You didn't feel that you were going to break, but they did push you to go to your own boundaries to move your own boundaries but from a compassionate place so am i right that's great yeah i i have two takes on it first of all yeah definitely and to be compassionate within your leadership it's wonderful i do want to say that 
sometimes part of also being compassionate and it takes us back to our own responsibilities as manager to be responsible to own our own career path and to do things the way we want because I had several uh, situations with those managers that I dearly love and appreciate that at a certain point I felt that this is not the right thing for me anymore that I need to move on that I need to leave the organization that I need to leave this position and that the things the way that I see cannot happen anymore in this organization and that requires a lot of a lot of guts you know from my point of view as an employee and also from their point of view as uh, leaders as managers to give me you know the good luck the go ahead do it we understand that this situation is no longer the right thing for you and go ahead and make your own thing. We're so proud of you. And also for years later, uh, we're still in very good relations. And I feel and I think that this is also part of being compassionate and uh, empathetic to the other side to really see uh, his needs. And, and the other uh, point that I want to emphasize, I just had an amazing conversation a couple of days ago with someone there, my uh, teaching assistant at uh, Reichman University. And she told me, Gali, I want to talk to you about a few things before our next uh, uh, lesson. I have a seminar there. Uh, it's like in the BA of entrepreneurship. And I have various teams in my career today that I manage uh, in different uh, situations. Okay, it can be in the university, it can be in some of my clients, et cetera. She wanted to talk to me and I said, sure, we'll make it happen before, uh, before the next uh, class. And I saw that she wanted to say something, but she doesn't feel so comfortable. Okay, so ask her, please uh, tell me, tell me what, what is it, what's on your heart, what do you want to talk about? And I pushed her uh, gently, but I pushed her to speak up and to say what's on her heart because it wasn't easy for her, right? When we want to ask for a raise, when we want to give a criticism, when uh, we want to say something that we think differently. We are struggling with those inner voices that we don't necessarily know how to say out loud because we feel it might won't be appropriate or it won't be someone will judge us or the most important thing, won't have the warm and accepting atmosphere to say what we want. And I go back to her And we spoke on the phone and she told me that she feels that she wants to be, uh, to come more to the front during our seminar, during the session. And I told her, amazing, how do you think that can happen? And I felt that she wants me to provide the answers, right? Because I'm the professor, like I'm the lecturer. But I didn't make it easy on her. I told her, tell me, how do you see it happening? What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? How do you want to lead? I like, I gave it back to her. Now. I pushed her and it was a situation that in the same moment wasn't easy for her because it's like we need to claim what we want, right? We need to have the strength, the inner strength to claim what we want, to say it. And I think that as managers, as leaders, and also as women, we have to learn how to do it, although it's not easy. But then the moment that she got this carriage and she said it, all that I did was giving her the most welcoming advice a warm and convenient atmosphere that it was okay. Like she said what she wants and how she sees it. And I was so proud of her that she took the courage to say it out loud. So later on, I told her, of course, and I'm happy to support you in this. And let's also do that and this and this. And that allowed her to feel that it was welcomed and that it's okay. And it, like she did the right thing, that she spoke up and she brought herself and her needs. And I think, That as managers, it's something very, very important to push a little. And it's in direct connection to what I described about my managers in the past. We always want to push our people, our employees in a good way, a little bit to be a bit better, a bit higher. 
a bit um, stronger, a bit more in their performance, you know, to say up loud what they want. But on the other side, together with this, we want to make them feel that we're there for them and we're there with them and we support them and that we allow this open environment of speaking up, of asking for things and of growing each other. And, and I think it was a really beautiful example of how you combine both compassion, empathy, and also to push your uh, employees, team, peers, doesn't matter who it is, even your children, a bit higher, to be a bit better, a bit af- out of their comfort zone, and then you both grow, the leader and the employee or the peer, et cetera. That's a great example because, as you said, I think it's also challenged you as a leader to be able to listen to her and to create the space and to listen even if she's not pleased with the situation and to handle it. So it pushes both of you, right, us as leaders to show up and to really confront different viewpoints, different motivation, and to listen to what she needs and from this place to create something new. So I think you give definitely a, a great tip for a mindful leader. How essential is to create the space and to welcome it, even if we don't think alike, but to see her motivation and needs and it's connect also to the first example that you gave about you being a, an employee that you fulfilled yourself and you wanted to move on and your leader approved it and was giving you his back, right? And to go forward. So I think this is the amazing part of really listening to ourselves in our employees, understanding also when to let go, right? And when to accept and to enable our employees to thrive maybe in our companies or different companies and to create space for a new employee to, to arrive. Because usually in the, work, in the business world and in the startups, we're really attached to our employees, to our products, to our uh, services. And we disconnect from the broader picture. And what I hear you say, it's also connecting to our own experience, but at the same time, seeing the broader picture, right? And finding the right alignment. Exactly. I, I want to emphasize two points. One is ego, and the other one is like the bigger picture, as you described it. So ego, what happens to us when we are in a difficult conversation or when we criticize or give feedback or any kind of conversation that we have, sometimes when the other side tells something, whether it's our co-founder, our employee, our spouse, our child, whomever, the immediate response that we want to have, the automatic response, it's like it's annoying us or, oh, someone said something bad to us or it touched something. It's like it triggers something. That's what happens in our mind and in our body and our heart at the, at the very first moment. And I think that like when in breathing, right? We have the inhale, then we have, we, we stop it, and then we have the exhale. And with time, as practicing mindfulness or meditation, we try to broaden the space between the inhale and the exhale, right? To, to, to broaden this space. And I think same goes for managing. If we will try to, to make this space between the action and the reaction a bit bigger and not immediately respond to our trigger, that's where the magic happens. What do I mean by that? Let's go back to this example that I gave. If my TA, when she gave me this feedback, the immediate response that I had in my mind, and I had because I'm a human being, is, oh, she thinks I'm not good. She thinks I'm not a good manager. She thinks I'm taking too much control. And she doesn't know how to address me. All of those voices. Okay, it's all there because I'm a human being like everyone. But being more conscious and letting the ego aside and give the space to this breath between the action and the reaction enabled me in a slight of a second 
to take out those voices and to bring place to another voices, which is exactly what we spoke about earlier. Let's listen to her. Let's see what she has to say and how the things that she has to say really make me a better leader and make her a better team member. And it's not like avoiding those voices, just with time learning how to listen to them, to let the ego, to tell them, hi, ego, you're okay, sit, sit still, and now managing what is going on in this situation. And then it makes us much better, much more present uh, leaders. So this is one thing about the ego. The other thing is about the bigger picture. I truly believe that this world is really small. Definitely, you know, um, in the business arena where startups, corporations, we all work together. We know each other. One time you meet this person or a mentor or this professional in this situation and two, three, four years down the road, you meet them in another situation. And I think that the more you'll be open and smiling and always, you know, want to help and to reach out your hand or to help the other one that reaches his hands or her hands to you. And always look at things from the bigger picture, from the higher level of things. Everything comes back to you. It doesn't happen necessarily tomorrow, okay? It might take a few years that things will happen. And it's not even about coming back to you. It's about being good. It's about giving back. It's about things in a higher perspective. Not what serves me tomorrow or here and now and my interests, but something which is on a higher level. And I truly believe that if everyone and each of us will... Uh, have this mindset of seeing things a little bit in the higher level as managers, as leaders, as startup founders, as CEOs, as product managers, doesn't matter in the position. It will just increase the level of consciousness and ability to speak with each other and to help each other. And I really see how, you know, it's all, uh, you know, sliding doors and everything changes. And we see now with the crisis and one moment you're here, the other moment you're here. The most important thing we have to do is to nurture ourselves, our inner self, and to be good to others. And that actually, you know, changes the whole picture along the way. Amazing. This actually changes the world. Actually, as I see the new leadership is being as a servant, right? How we can serve our employees better, our customers, our community. And this is actually what you say about holding the bigger picture, not only looking on my specific bottom line in the short term, how can I serve my employee that now he's already fulfilled himself and he doesn't find himself anymore in this company and I will help him find a new adventure for him and it will be good for him and for me and maybe I will meet this employee in five years and he will have another startup or company that he now will help me. So as you said, it's it's connecting to something bigger than ourselves and our own interests and holding this in our mind and then it will create a better business world, right? Because we will want to help each other and see each other as human beings. And from this place, we all will thrive. And I think it's not yet a common paradigm. I think we're nourishing it in this transformation of embracing a new paradigm that it's not easy for all of us because as you say, nowadays in this hectic reality, a lot of letting go of people and suffering. So something we really need to practice. And you know, Gali, I'm interested to hear from your perspective because I know you have your own podcast and you talk with a lot of entrepreneurs and leaders and managers. From your experience, what is the main struggle that leaders and entrepreneurs face nowadays in this hectic reality? So, yeah, in my day-to-day, what I actually do is is I work with uh, many startup founders. It can be the whole team, like two, three founders or just CEO. 
all around the world in every in every mo- moment I coach more than like a 30 entrepreneurs and I really go with them hand in hand through all the struggles challenges also success uh, that they have in their day-to-day as as nurturing growing their startup I work with very early stage companies and also very uh, grown one uh, pre-ipo after IPO and I think that um, exactly what you've just mentioned about leading as a servant and being mindful in your leadership. So it's a very nice title. And I don't like titles. I want to see really how it melts into the reality and how how we really use it. And I think that um, especially now with the economic crisis that we have and, and, and the layoffs that we have in uh, all the startups and everyone are dealing with it. And I think, first of all, that having this perspective that currently, even those that have a lot of money, and just rate funds. Even they are letting go some of the people because they understand that they need to remain a lower burn rate in order to increase their one way and, and they need to manage it. And not to mention those that are currently cannot or that do not succeed to raise their next fund and it's even more stressful for them and then they need to let go people. And I think that um, there are two main things that really help them uh, to navigate it. One is the understanding of how to manage within this complexity of uncertainty, and I'll touch it, touch it in a moment. And the other one is speaking emotions, talking emotions. And I'll, I'll start with the second one. I had a um, beautiful conversation with some of my uh, teams a couple of weeks ago, and we spoke about a situation, and now they need to let go of your team members, and it's very, it, it's really hurting. Now, of course, it's hurting to the um, employees that will need now to find a new job, but it's also hurting to the founders that brought them and took them to their journey from day one. And they really like me to let go of um, really close people now. It's easier. And of course, to the employee that needs to find a new job, of course, it's more complicated and more difficult. And I'm totally there. But I do want to emphasize the angle of the managers and the founders that need to let them go. And the CEO... He was very stressed and he didn't show any emotions. And then I asked him, because he, he didn't feel that the co-founders, that his co-founders are willing to le- really listen to how he feels inside. And then I asked him, of course, without names, how do you feel now? Just please try to describe us. And he's a very strong person and he was a pilot in the army and in the IDF. And he already has several startups and several exits. He's a serial entrepreneur. He knows the game. He knows how to play it. And all of a sudden, he, he opened up and he said, I'm, I feel anxiety. I feel stressful. I feel depressed. I feel that I'm hurting other people. I cannot sleep at night. I hardly eat. I'm functioning, but it really, really, really uh, bothers me. And I'm, I'm really into it. And the fact that he opened up and spoke about those things and let's allowed his co-founders to listen to it. So the content of the conversation was really difficult, but... The fact that it created a conversation around it, it was amazing because at the same very moment, like they all opened up and the level of the conversation, it was deeper. So it went to the other side, but it got much deeper and I could like leave the room and they they didn't really do it. But all of a sudden there was a new conversation between them, conversation about feelings. Now you can think about three men, you know, in the forties, like, successful, high achievers people, and all of a sudden they are sitting and talking about emotions and how they feel and how can they help each other and what can they do. And that was so beautiful that how from a very big and real crisis, something new emerged. 
and they could talk about it and speak up about it and feel comfortable about it. And also after two hours of talking emotions, solutions came. And at the end of this conversation, this very practical one, we can actually, after creating all the scenarios of how the next six months will look like, we actually chose the best scenarios. And instead of letting go of X amount of people, we actually succeed to make it to live with us two more people thanks to this conversation. So it also has a very, very meaningful outcomes when we allow our really inner self to come outside. So that was really beautiful experience. And I just spoke about the uncertainty. So I really like to read books or to see movies and to take things from the content that we consume and to see how it impacts our day to day. And there's this beautiful book of uh, Noam Khorev, uh, which is uh, he's an Israeli uh, songs writer, and he's amazing and he's so touching. And I really feel that um, his book is uh, like a, a, an amazing uh, psychological therapy. And he speaks there about each songs, about different emotions that he had. And I really saw how one of the songs that he wrote, I brought it into the sessions with another team about the main uh, skill that we need to have nowadays and to strengthen is the ability of working in uncertain times because this is what is going on now. And I know we spoke about it a lot and vocal leadership, et cetera, et cetera. But once we really succeed to embrace this mindset that we really don't know what's going to happen, we really don't know. And we see startups that couldn't raise funds closing the door. And we see startups that raise a lot of funds and now giving back the money to the investors and closing the door. So it's really uncertain reality and we don't know what will happen. And all we can do is to be the best we can, is to speak up about those things, is to make the best decisions that we can based on data and, and, and our emotions and, and to share this, you know, and to learn how to live with this uncertainty. And I think that Part of the things that uh, practicing mindfulness really helps is to be present, right? And to learn how to be present in a better way. And what I like to do with my um, coaches or the founders that I coach is like to help each one find his own way to practice it. What do I mean by that? Some do it by, for example, meditation or running. And I, for example, I like to practice SAP. Now, I also take some of my founders to SAP with me. Why? Because I feel that the sap on the water, you have the waves, right? And waves can be small, can be big. You, can, you cannot control it, right? Or it can be flat. When you stand on the sap, the whole uh, uh, energy and the whole stability comes from the core, from the inside, from the core muscles, right? And you look to the horizon. It's like an endless horizon. So you can dream. You can see the future. You can understand that it's bigger than you. So I'm just giving, you know, a few uh, examples of how I find through fitness through a physical thing, the ability to practice mindfulness that later on really helps me in my work, in my managerial positions. And this is also something that I do with my founders. Sometimes it's running, sometimes it's sub, sometimes it's even we're meditating together, each one, and sometimes it's dancing. What fits them in order to embrace those abilities? Wow, it was long. <laughs> wow, I really liked it. It's funny because I wanted to ask you a question that I saw that in your LinkedIn profile. In the beginning, following your career titles, you mentioned that you are also a professional dancer, sap, do you sap yoga and a proud mother of three young boys. So now you answered my question. So actually you show up fully with your various abilities and skills and you bring them to your day-to-day working life and help founders, entrepreneurs use also these tools in order to find their anchor, their presence in this active reality. So it's amazing. I love it. 
Thank you. And I really think that just you mentioned it, that again, being leaders and being managers in this world is really combining your personal self with your professional self, okay? Now, the fact that I choose to write in my LinkedIn that I do sup yoga, dancing, and a mother of three boys, because this is who I am. This is what identifies me, okay? This is first and foremost, I'm a mother of three boys, and I'm a dancer, and I do yoga and stuff, and this is part of my reality and myself, and I don't want to skip it. And I also want to bring it into my life, you know, and in my time management. And I think all of those things makes me much better as a leader in the things that I do. And I'm trying to convey this same mindset and behaviors also to the founders that I coach, because I truly believe in it. That if we try to separate our professional self and our personal self, it just won't hold. It's not sustainable, you know? And I think this was the world up till like five, six years ago, and especially mainly till COVID, we tried to separate those selves. And I was that like as well, okay? I thought I have to, these are the hours that I'm at work. These are the hours that I'm at home. And it always ha- always had frictions. And the more I understand that I need to combine my personal self and professional selves and to bring my values and, and time management practices and, and what's important for me for my personal life also to my professional life and vice versa, that's where the magic happens. And I think the same for leaders and for founders. It's true that being um, a founder in a startup is very hectic and it takes a lot of time and takes control in your life and you should be very, very much in it. Totally true. But still, you have to find the time uh, to do what's right for you, for your family, because otherwise it's just not sustainable. It won't hold. And we see strong founders not in the first or second year. We see it in the fourth and the fifth year, how their resilience is strong. How can they continue with the grit and their perseverance to overcome all the challenges that they have. And I remember that I used to have this criticizing voice that, hey, it doesn't matter, you know, sleeping well or dancing or doing supper yoga. It's, it doesn't matter because you have to work, 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 work. That was the younger me. That was the younger professional. And it took me years to embrace it and to understand that it's not true. That to be successful and to also enjoy the ride and enjoy the, the way, I have to combine into my professional life and I have to find the right balance to do it. And currently I can't see any other option to do it. Amazingly, I really, really connect to what you're saying. I want to recap a few things that you said because first of all, as a leader nowadays, we need to show up fully. Yes, and it means bringing ourselves fully, means also our personal life and professional life and finding the right balance for ourselves and also showing up authentically. And this is what's important for me my family is important for me. I love hiking. I love, so I need to bring my aspect to the world. And also by doing what I love and giving space to myself, I will be able to give space to others. Because if I don't give space to myself and need from a really narrow place, it won't be sustainable. As you say, I won't be able to continue the journey because I will be burned really quickly. So it's really important. And at the end of the day, I really believe that if you're working from your passion, and for your presence, you really inspire others and help them connect to themselves and bring their accurate added value to the world and also enjoy it. So, you know, it's like a stone that you throw to the river and it creates ripples. So if you are living from an authentic, connected place, you will have such a big impact on your employees and your company. So it's amazing. And another thing that I want to recap that you said, you talked about the fact that 
from the first example about the fact that they spoke their emotions and this it created a space and what I always say that you know I, I see the challenge nowadays I say that you know we learn to disconnect from our emotions especially in the workplace we are talking from our mind a rational language and we really need to embrace the new language the new emotional language and the ability to connect to our heart this is the essential thing for us as individuals and leaders because you The essential trait is compassion, passion, creativity, empathy are connected to our heart, right? And this is what we need nowadays that will differentiate us from the technology that increases at the speed of light. I see it as a crucial thing for leaders to connect back to our complete experience and complete self and show up fully. And this is actually what you said, also speaking our emotions and also bringing our passion to the world to our doing things. And combining this two and showing us fully so it's really really crucial what you say nowadays and I really believe that this is the new way to lead and it's not always easy sometimes we need to struggle we need to find to pause and find the right balance we need to exactly. dare to show up and speak our emotions but it's amazing it's it's so true and and I want to emphasize another point um, in my day-to-day I work with many teams of founders now I We can speak about how as uh, executive or C-level you manage your employees or teams, but I want to emphasize for a short thing how you manage your peers like your co-founders. And we all know that to the outside, it always looks amazing, okay? But from the inside, it's never amazing. And all founders, almost all, okay, I won't say all, but almost all founder teams uh, deal with Uh, with ego issues, with uh, trust crises, with uh, disagreement on decision makings, with overlapping of domains, with vision that doesn't uh, 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 work together, with the values that changes. And all founders team has their differences and has their challenges, and it, there's a lot of work there. But what I want to emphasize is that when we learn how to embrace those practices of mindfulness, whether it is in yoga, meditation, sup, dancing, meditative situations, it doesn't necessarily has to be a specific method. But the ability to breathe and to listen and to really lean in and to really be present, that's a big virtue in our communication. Why? Because, for example, when we have a disagreement now as a team of co-founders, and it happens all the time. Again, if we're just busy with conveying our message and saying what we, what we think, we don't listen to the other side. And we just focus on, okay, I'm right. This is what I want to say. I'm just going to throw it on you and you should listen. And then the other one does it and the third one does it. And there's nothing, just a m- big misunderstanding and we finish the two-hour session and no resolution is there. The other way to do it and what I try to bring them and, I, and mindfulness has a lot of it is two things. First of all, again, to learn to listen And also to learn to listen to our own pace. And what do I mean by that? To learn to listen is really to be curious about what the other one has to say and to bring breathing into it and not just, you know, to be busy with the fact that I have to say what I want. No, let's do another focus. I really want to listen to what do you have to say. I don't want to say what I want. I know what I want. I know what I need to say. I want to listen to you now. And when I listen to you in proactive coaching, we call it a listening number three. It's like we listen to the other side with all the senses. Magic happens there because all of a sudden I'm not focused on what I have to say, but I'm listening to the others. And it's not about me, it's about him. And that allows me a wider perspective, sorry, of what is going on and to see that, wait, you thought one thing, but there are many other angles to see the situation. 
This is one thing. The other thing is to be able with more consciousness to listen to all the voices that we have inside us while we speak. One voice represents our ego, for example. The other one represents the fact that I need to be a very successful leader now. The other one represents the fact that, hey, they're looking up to me. I need to say the right things. The other one, oh, I'm actually very, very, I miss my kids. I didn't see them this whole week. I actually, all I want to do now is be at home. Or I'm actually very tired and hungry. And this conversation is like in too high pace for me. And I have uh, minimal needs that are now not being um, answered. And I need them. And to be able to listen to all the different voices that we have inside us and the different needs and to take a breath and, okay, let's calm down. Let's calm them down. And let's see what do I need now. Maybe I can't hold this conversation now. Maybe I can't have this podcast now. Maybe as much as I want my book to come out next month, it's just not going to happen because I'm not there yet and I need to relax now. Maybe I have a board meeting today, but I'm disaster and I feel awful and they didn't sleep for several days and I simply cannot perform this board meeting. Maybe I can ask to hold it tomorrow so I can have a good night's sleep. And it goes to many, many other examples, but learning to listen first and foremost to ourselves, what really happens in our mind and in our body, because we forget to do it. And it's very difficult, okay? It's not easy. I'm practicing it all the time and I'm not always succeeding in it, okay? But it's a muscle that you need to strengthen all the time. And I think that the combination of learning to listen better to ourselves and learning to listen better to others creates something very precise, very accurate in our reality, in the way we want to act. Yeah, not everyone are going to like it, but it's okay. It's okay. As long as we're more fine-tuned with ourselves, we can perform better. We can bring the right people around us. Our achievements will be better. We will feel better. Our families will be better. And I think this is really key to our well-being and success. Amazing. And yes, I couldn't agree more because leading mindfully, it's, first of all, it's leading by example. So we need to tune on in and see what we are feeling and work with our internal world in order to connect with others. And, you know, I do it a lot during my sessions in the retreats. If I feel something... I speak this feeling because I know that someone feels it in the group and I'm not the only one that feels it. So I learn to work with my embodied experience because otherwise it will be disconnected from the group and from myself. So even if I, this is what happened actually last week when I facilitated the retreat, I felt something and I spoke it out. So some of the people connected and some not, but the few that connected, there are the people that I said it out for. So I really agree with you. And I think, we really need to wrap up because we can continue for hours. It's really interesting. But if I will pinpoint what you said and what's the crucial element of leading mindfully, it's first of all listening and listening to our internal world, respecting our different voices and feelings and sensations and emotions. And from this place, we can better listen to others and work with this space and create a new space for something new to emerge. And this is actually what we want nowadays, right? The creativity, the innovation. So, Gary, it was a real pleasure. So, before we wrap up, if people want to connect with you, how can they reach out? Where can they find you? So, it's easy. Uh, on my website, uh, galiblochviran.com or LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram or, I don't know, other platforms that they are. And if among our listeners, there are people who think uh, that uh, may be interesting also to speak on my podcast, so you're more than happy uh, to contact me at galiblochviran.com. And I really want just to... To add to what you said, Karen, you know, because I think that the beauty in life, as I learned with years, 
uh, in a humble way, is really being able to learn from everything, this learnability, but not just from courses or our job experiences, to really look at things like this conversation. What is the one thing that I took from you? Or a song that I heard in the car or a new music or something that I saw on TV or something that my child just told me or some interaction that I have with a founder, just to, to pause for a second and to ask myself, what did I take from here? Like, what was the one thing that they took with me, which is amazing. And then you are in this kind of, a, you know, inspirational uh, state of mind that you're like a sponge, like a child. You're observing all the time new things and new ideas and new feelings. And this is beautiful because this helps you live life in a much more full, beautiful, respectful, appreciating, uh, grateful way. And I think that is the one thing that I would like to send to all of your listeners. Just, you know, pay attention to what happens and take the one small thing that you take from each situation, uh, retreat, TV show, your child uh, uh, that is uh, in conversation with you, whatever, and, and take it into yourself because this is, this is the beauty of life as I see. Amazing. And in the mindfulness aspect, you call it embrace a beginner mind and be curious to what you see and learn from it. Gali, thank you very much. It was a real pleasure. Thank you so much, Karen, for having me. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. You're invited to subscribe to our podcast in order to know when we upload a new episode and follow us on social media. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.